When I was a kid, I learned some orienteering. For those of you that don't know, orienteering is, are just uh, navigational skills using a map and a compass. And one of the principles that I learned as a child about navigating, about orienteering, was how to move through a forest in a straight line. Something that sounds quite simple, but it's actually difficult and very important. As you may have heard, when you're lost in the woods, it's easy for people to go around in circles while they think that they're going straight. The way we learned to travel forward was actually to line up a couple of points in front of us and to move towards them, keeping them in alignment with our progress. And then as you got closer to those points, you could then turn around and look backward at the points that you had come from and evaluate the direction that you were going based on whether all of those points were together in a line. Now, we're not in the forest this morning. It's clear. But we are all, I think, experiencing at least some disorientation from 2020. It's been a wild ride after all. And this pandemic, I think, has made it easy for us to forget for us to wander, if you will, in our Christian lives, to forget what our Christian purpose is, to lose track of what we're living for in this world in 2020. It's easy to wander. And as we enter 2021, I think we need to do two things. I think first, really quickly, we remember what our purpose actually is what the goal that we're aiming at actually is. And second, I want to take the majority of our time together this morning to use some things from the letter to uh, the Thessalonians, the first letter to the Thessalonians by Paul, to evaluate our progress, to stop and to consider before we head into 2021 how we're doing, where we're at, and how we can grow in order to hit our target. So first, remembering our mission is pretty straightforward. Our mission as a church is fairly clear. It comes right from the Gospels, from the accounts of the Great Commission that are given to us as a church. A text like Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20, is a perfect example of this. Jesus, just before he ascends into heaven, he gives the mission of spreading the Gospel and growing the church to his disciples, and from his disciples to the rest of us, to the church. And he says this, He says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, as Christians, we've been entrusted with a precious mission that's been given to us by Jesus. We are the people that God has called and empowered to fill this world with his glory as we go out and obediently follow him in our lives. As we grow in imitation of Jesus in our lives, as we share Jesus with others, so that others too become followers of him. And as Christ City Church, we've tried to take that mission and those uh, gospel commissions that have been given to us by Jesus and make them specific to us here in our own neighborhoods. We have our own mission statement as a church. Perhaps you don't know that, but if you didn't, I'm about to tell you, so uh, we're going to resolve that right now. Our mission statement is this making missional disciples for the sake of the neighborhood. What we're doing with this mission statement is just recognizing that it's all well and good for you and I to talk about making disciples across this world, but you and I are only you and I. You and I are here in this particular location that God has placed us in. We're only a part of the church that is fulfilling the Great Commission. And we have a special responsibility to the neighborhoods and the neighbors, the literal neighbors that God has placed us next to. Our mission is to make disciples 
according to the great commission from Jesus in our own local context. That is where we want to go. That is what we're aiming at. That is what we want to grow in as Christ City Kitsilano in 2021. So it's easy to look at where we want to go. But on the other hand, evaluating our progress towards that goal isn't always so clear, is it? How are we doing making missional disciples for the sake of the neighborhood right now? As we enter 2021, I actually want to spend most of our time looking backward at the Word of God with you and evaluating our progress via three gospel waypoints that we'll consider from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. We're going to use this letter to evaluate our progress because in this letter in particular, we see a beautiful picture of the way that the gospel first took root in one of the early churches that Paul planted in the first century A.D. He planted this church according to the great commission given to the church by Jesus. And Paul and Timothy and Silas went out and preached this gospel in Asia Minor. The gospel message fell on fertile soil and it really took off in these places. So we're going to look at three waypoints, though, as we consider this letter. We're going to look first at gospel reception, second at gospel imitation, and third we're going to look at gospel witness. So I want you to turn with me then as we jump into the text to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 to 5, and consider our first waypoint, gospel reception. Paul writes this, We give thanks to God always, for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. See, in this passage, Paul gives thanks to God for the Thessalonian church. And in verse 4, Paul encourages these new Christians by reassuring them that God has, in fact, saved them. God has chosen them. Paul's confident about it. He says, for we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. Why does he know? Paul writes, why, in verse 4. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Now, I remember quite some time ago when I first moved to the United States, being interviewed by the elders of a new church that I was trying to go to, I wanted to become a member at. And in the interview, they were evaluating the authenticity of my Christian faith. There's only so much that an elder can do, so you got to give these guys a little bit of a break. But what they did is they asked the question, Brent, can you tell us what the gospel is? It's a question that we'll ask you too if you become a member at Christ City Church. And me and my seminarian state was just uh, pursuing knowledge of all kinds and filling my mind up with different truths. And I had all this anxiety about getting the right answer to that question. I want to have a good impression for these elders to show them that the truth of the gospel is something that I understood. I was focused on the words of the gospel. But the point that Paul is making here, I think, is that the Thessalonians didn't confirm their authenticity as Christians simply by the words of the gospel. And it wasn't just that. 
No, their authenticity as Christians was shown because of the way that the words of the gospel impacted their lives and changed them. Again, Paul says in verse 5 that he knows God has chosen them because our gospel came to you not only in word, not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. See, Paul and Silas and Timothy, they preached and they taught about Jesus, but as they did, the words of the gospel began to take root in human hearts, in real people's lives. As those hearts were made sensitive by the Holy Spirit, as they were brought to a place where they stopped fighting God in their pride, they finally threw up their hands to him in submission to him and to his truth, where they began to agree with him and his word about who they were in their sin, about who he was in his goodness and in his holiness and in his love. And it was in that place, knowing the weight of their sin, feeling the conviction about their sin, where they encountered the love of God for them. The love of God that was for them, that though God knew them intimately and deeply, he loved them deeper still. And that love changed them. It worked powerfully in them by the Holy Spirit to move them to stop the way that they were living and to move forward in obedience to follow God. To walk in obedience with him, to trust him. You see, I think a much better test for me at that interview that I was in when I was at that church long ago would have been for my life to be exposed by the light of other Christians. To have people around me, especially in my life in private, to evaluate and see what it was that was happening in my life as the gospel took root. But to be honest, that was something that I was very uncomfortable with. I didn't want that sort of light or vulnerability or intimacy shown on my life. I was focused on words. But Christ City, words are easy. They're easy to fake. But the gospel of power by the Holy Spirit changes lives as it penetrates hearts. So as we evaluate our progress of making missional disciples for the sake of the neighborhood, the first question that we should ask ourselves is this. Is the gospel message that Jesus came to save sinners, is that something that's just words to us? Have we grown numb to the beauty and the glory of God and his love for us in Jesus Christ? Has it become just words? Or is it still the power of the Holy Spirit convicting us and leading us to life in obedience to Jesus. You know, when you're evaluating your position, when you're orienteering, and you realize that you're off course, the first thing to do is to stop the direction that you're going and to change the direction and make a course correction and go back in the line with the path that you are aiming at. So Christ said, no matter how 2020 has looked for you in your own spiritual life, 2021 is an opportunity for each of us to make a course correction. Tomorrow, we'll begin our week of fasting and prayer like we do at the beginning of every year. And I want to encourage you to join with us. And this is something you haven't done before. We have some resources that I'll be sharing with the church uh, to help orient you and to be prepared uh, to participate with us. But this is something that you should pursue. This is something that you should consider to begin 2021 seeking God's face, seeking him in prayer and in community and asking him to soften your heart and to work his gospel powerfully in your life. 
And the second waypoint I want to consider with you that we see in this letter is gospel imitation. Look at verse 5 and 6 together with me. Paul writes this. He says, You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Now, why would the Thessalonians become imitators of Paul and Timothy and Silas? Well, think about this. Isn't it true that you and I, in our own lives, every moment of every day, are looking for the good life? We're trying to figure out how we can live life well. We're identifying role models and examples and influencers all around us who we think if we follow them, if we model our lives after them, somehow we will attain the life that we've always desired and that we've wanted. But sadly, the reality is that the history of our humankind is that we are phenomenally good at getting it wrong and of modeling our lives off of the wrong people and winding up depressed and anxious and unsatisfied instead. And the good news of the gospel is that when God became human in the person of Jesus Christ, he showed us what it means to truly live. He showed us what it means to truly live rich, flourishing human lives. And beginning with his first disciples, he empowered us with his Holy Spirit to live the lives that we were created for, lives that were filled with his life. And this is how the church grew. As real men and women were filled with Jesus' own spirit of life. As real men and women went out into this world, living the words of the gospel to one another in word and in deed. So that when Paul preached the gospel to Jesus, of Jesus to the Thessalonians, he wasn't just speaking empty words. He was modeling the life of Jesus to them in his own life as he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. As he loved, as Jesus loved. As he lived among the Thessalonians with them, intimately serving as Jesus served. Showing compassion as Jesus showed compassion. Living grace and mercy and truth as Jesus himself lived those things. So much so that he could say in verse 5, You know what kind of man we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us. And of the Lord. See, the Thessalonians wanted to imitate Paul because they were compelled by Paul's life. They were compelled by the love and the goodness of Jesus that they saw was being lived in Paul's life. And they became imitators of him. In Christ City, it's always true that we become imitators of the people we love and admire. When I was a kid, I would strap on my toy tool belt and I'd run around the house with my little plastic hammer hitting baseboards and shelves and everything else that I could think of because my dad was a carpenter. And I loved and I admired my dad. I wanted to be like my dad, so I imitated my dad. I have my own little boy now. Many of you know him. He's always on the Zoom calls. Uh, and he, only a little while ago, once told me very, very confidently when I came home from work, Dada, when I grow up, I want to be the master of the church like you. Now, I have some course correction to do with Aryan to teach him that master and pastor are not the same thing. But I still take what he said to heart because it shows me that he loves and admires me. He loves me as his father and he wants to be like me when he grows up. We imitate who we love and admire. Admiration always leads to imitation. 
And in the letter to the Thessalonians, the greatest love we see is the love of God for us. We see that in verse 4 when Paul says, For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. And he writes, For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. John Stott once wrote about this text, these words. His God chose us because he loved us. And he loved us because he loved us. This morning, I don't know where you're at in your Christian walk, but maybe you just need to remember that. That God doesn't love you because you've earned it in some way. He hasn't chosen you and set his affection upon you because you've proved yourself to him in some way. He loves you because he loves you. The truth of God choosing us in love before we chose him is a great mystery. But at minimum, it ought to cause us to be filled with adoration for our God. To cause us to respond to his love by loving him. By adoring him. And our adoration of him, our adoration of his love, rightly then leads us to imitation of Jesus, our Savior. So as we evaluate our progress in our mission, so we consider 2020 in the past and look to 2021 in the future, I think the second question we should ask ourselves is this. Who is it that we're imitating? We're all imitating someone. There's nobody here who is not imitating someone. No matter how unique you think you are, how independent you think you are, it's not true. You are an imitator of others. But friends, only imitating Jesus and the lives that you see around you in the church, only growing to become more like him as you see others faithfully live his life and as you live his life faithfully yourself in obedience to his word, only that will result in the gospel taking deeper root in Vancouver as people see it and admire it and notice that something is different here among us. Now, the third thing I want you to consider in this text is the result that follows from genuine gospel reception and gospel imitation, namely, fruitful gospel witness. Let's look at what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 6 to 8. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so we need not say anything. Christ City, we have something very precious entrusted to us as a church. And it's not just a message. It's a message that gives birth to changed lives that make a difference. I wonder if you've ever gone out and, and been where there was a gong and took the mallet and hit that gong and felt the reverberations of its resonance beating through your chest and moving outward far and wide. Paul says that the Thessalonian church's reception of the gospel was sort of like that, where the reverberations of the gospel were felt far and wide around them because of the way it impacted their lives. So far, in fact, that Paul writes in verses 8 and 9, we need not say anything, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve 
the living and true God. See, the gospel message affected the Thessalonians deeply. They were moved to adoration, and from adoration to Holy Spirit-empowered imitation of Jesus. And as they grew in imitation of Jesus, the effect of their gospel witness was far and wide. Christ City Christianity is so much more than words. It's the power of the Holy Spirit changing lives and causing us to resound with the life of Christ the world around us. It's the power of God unleashed on persons, freeing us from sin that we're enslaved to, freeing us from sin that we've been trapped by, to be loved by God, to know his life-changing love, and to become like him. It's God's power unleashed on persons to recreate them as the beginning of his new creation. A new creation where marriages work and friendships are restored and enemies are forgiven. A new creation where men become good fathers and women become good mothers as Jesus' life saturates their own. A new creation where we learn to work and use our vocations not for ourselves, but so that God would be praised in all that we do. A new creation where we learn to live not out of fear or insecurity, not out of power and asserting ourselves over others for our own good, but a new creation where we learn to live in mercy and love for the good of others. A new creation where we learn how to receive the good things that God has given us, even Christmas vacations and all that comes along with them, and not pervert them, but to use them for his glory and for his good. In all of our eating, our food, all of our cultivating of this earth, all of our reaping of our resources, all of our bodies and everything else, using them for the glory of God, all that we've received. Friends, this is a fruitful witness that comes from lives that have truly received the life of Jesus. They have truly received the gospel. The power of changed lives that grow together in imitation of Jesus. It can't be ignored. Christ City, God has given us an incredible mission. If you are a Christian here this morning, your life purpose is no longer about you. Let me say that again. If you are a Christian here this morning, you need to know that your life purpose is no longer your own. Your life is no longer simply about you. Your life purpose is to exist for the praise and the glory of the God who loved you and gave himself for you. I want to challenge you then to take time this week to prayerfully evaluate your life. What is it that you are living for? How has the gospel really landed on you? Is it just words? Or is it something that the Holy Spirit is using to powerfully affect change in you, to convict you, to cause you to tremble before the word of God, to love him, to desire more and more of his grace? We are called to grow in Christ that our lives fill Vancouver with God's own glory and character. Friends, would you join with me in 2021 in pursuing Jesus afresh, and recommitting our lives to serve him without fear, the praise of his glorious name. Would you pray with me? Father, I just ask that you would help us. Lord, would you equip us for your work that you've called us to? We thank you that you have equipped us. We thank you that you have given us many good works to do for the glory of Jesus. Would you make us bold? and courageous, to turn from sin, to trust that your promises are true and good, and to live whole lives for Jesus' sake. In his name we pray. Amen.